Our first gospel reading is Luke chapter 11. Hear these words. We've been focusing on the Lord's Prayer for some time, and hear God's word. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And then we skip to uh, Luke chapter 18. And there we find verse, beginning to read at verse 9. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Imagine that. Two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee standing by himself was praying this, thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector standing far off would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Every one of us here has done something really wrong, and if you haven't done it yet, then you probably will. Something memorable. And perhaps only a few people know about it. However, you may be like the man who was caught stealing a purse at the entrance of a store in Georgia. Have you heard about that? A woman was exiting a convenience store, and a man grabbed her purse and ran, and the clerk called 911 immediately, and the, the woman was able to give the store clerk and the arriving police detailed description. Well, within a matter of a half an hour to an hour, the man had been apprehended. And they put him in the back of a police car, and they drove him back to the store, and he was taken handcuffed and pulled out of the car to stand there to, for a positive ID until the, <clears throat> the woman could get back and they could bring the, that small group together. And when she walked up, the man in custody said, yes, officer, that's her. That's the woman I took the purse from. And they were all a little dumbfounded at exactly what had happened. And I'm sure this man had... Uh, given some thought years later in prison about his own open mouth. We've all done some seriously wrong things. There are things that you and I have done that uh, we think about, frankly, we need to move on from, but we still think about them. I expect that's true for many adults here. Life brings challenges, and we do not always live up to the challenges as we should. And this starts at an early age. 
It's even reflected in preschool children, even our own preschool children, I'm sure. But um, I heard once of a teacher in a Sunday school classroom ask her kids to say out loud what they would ask God. And she wrote down their responses and some of their messages for God I think we can all understand. And here's, here are some that she wrote. Dear God, if we come back as somebody else, please don't let me be Jennifer Horton because I hate her. Denise. Dear God, I bet it's very hard to love everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in our family, and I can never do it. <laughs> William. Dear God, is it true my father won't get into heaven if he uses his golf words in the house? <laughs> Anita. Dear God, did you really mean do unto others as they do unto you? If you did, then I'm going to get even with my brother. Sarah. I kind of like this one. Dear God, I'm doing the best I can, really. Frank. There is a reason Jesus teaches his disciples to pray and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. Jesus teaches us to ask forgiveness for wrong done, and he includes with this our forgiveness of those who do us wrong. And sometimes you and I forget that this is important. Sometimes there are occasions. But it is important, and here's why. Two reasons. First of all, the mercy of God is expensive, and secondly, the mercy of God is vital. And so hear me out on both of these, and let's take a minute to consider how this is true. First of all, God's mercy is expensive. It is costly. Imagine Jesus teaching his followers to say, forgive us our sins. And months later, he would face opponents in Jerusalem knowing very well that their treatment of him would cost his life. He knew that. Jesus knows he challenges the very heart of his father's faith, the heart of Jerusalem. Judaism with healing and teaching as he does. And he sets himself above the law of Moses. You may remember reading in, in the early part of the New Testament, Jesus says, you've heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder. But I say to you that if you're angry with your brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. Jesus set himself above the law of Moses. He knows that he does not keep the Sabbath always like the Pharisees keep the Sabbath. And he knows whom he associates with. And they do not. And though he does not call himself the Messiah, he allows his followers to begin to identify him, even with misguided understanding about what being a Messiah is. And so Jesus teaches his followers to ask God's forgiveness, and then he gives himself to those who take his life. Go on and read all four Gospels. And you'll see that the climax of each of the stories is his dying on a cross for sin of, the sin of the world. Paul writes to young Timothy and says, This saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Paul said that. God's mercy is expensive. It costs young Jesus his life. And somehow his death makes this prayer possible. Somehow his death makes it possible for you and me to be here and to be forgiven and to know that God forgives us. God's steadfast love embraces us. And we can take it for granted. And we do take it for granted. And we have taken it for granted. But the forgiveness of God is a precious thing. 
asked the, the dear old elder who's now died, she was in Shelby, one of the leaders of the church for many years, always said that the most important part of the service for her was hearing that she was forgiven. Ask the retired sports writer in the church I served in Richmond. He always said the same she did. The most important part of the service was hearing that he was accepted by God and forgiven. And their testimonies keep reminding me how important it is in worship that we take time to ask God's forgiveness and hear God's assuring us of pardon and cleansing. God's mercy is expensive. God's mercy is also vital. Jesus tells this parable of these two men who show up in the temple and one is self-satisfied at his own faithfulness, at his own behavior, and he actually prays a prayer that he's thankful he's not like all these other people. And he even enumerates to God, I fast twice a week, I give a tenth of all my income. He, has someone, he is someone who has no need of God's forgiveness. He's doing it all so well. He looks at himself and he believes he's okay. In fact, he's proud of just how good he's doing it, and he looks down on others. And the other is a tax collector who does not even raise his head up to the ceiling of the temple. God be merciful to me, a sinner, he prays. Now, the words of the first man are lengthy and confident, and the words of the second man are short and nervous. Jesus says that the tax collector is justified before God, and the other man is deluding himself. He just has it wrong. If I avoid asking forgiveness, saying it doesn't matter, I justify my behavior and continue my mistakes. If I avoid asking forgiveness, saying it doesn't matter, either I live with guilt or I try to run away from it. If I avoid asking God's forgiveness, saying it doesn't matter, I may develop an attitude towards God and God's people and likely stay away from them both. If I avoid asking forgiveness, saying it doesn't matter, I become an island to myself and become less than real and truly superficial. But however, if I experience God's forgiveness, I can be freed from past wrongdoing. If I experience God's forgiveness, my life can be light and free of past behaviors. If I experience God's forgiveness, I can laugh again, maybe at myself and at the world, and I can be lighthearted. If I experience God's forgiveness, I can start over. I can try again. I can have a second chance at things. If I experience God's forgiveness, I can feel renewed and, and perhaps even reinvent myself in ways that are better and stronger, more faithful. If I experience God's forgiveness, I can be on the way to becoming genuinely myself, the person God created me to be. I remember being called urgently to the bedside of an elder in a church I served. I drove through a rainstorm such as we've had in recent days to get to an adjacent to a hospital in an adjacent town. And when I arrived at his room, he was covered in tubes and had a breathing mask. I've told this before, but it, it bears repeating. As soon as I got near him, as soon as I got by his bedside, his issue came at me with powerful energy. With tears, he stammered, thank God you're here. I have done things in my life I've never told my wife. I've never told anybody. His wife was inches away, just to my right hand. 
And she was standing there by his side with a horrified look on her face, and she was shocked, and she was afraid, and she was silent. He said to me, I'm embarrassed, and I'm frightened, and I know these are my last days, and I do not know what to do. I told him, every Sunday I repeat words you have heard many times, and so hear them again. If we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And he said, all I have to do is admit my sin and ask God's forgiveness. And, that, and I said, that's right, and turn from your wrongdoing. And he fell back into his pillow and he said to me, thank you. Thank you. Will you pray for me to know this forgiveness? And I asked him to pray a simple prayer and he did. And then I added mine. He prayed admitting that he had done wrong and he wanted to to know God's forgiveness, and then I added my prayer to his and said, Amen. And he shook my hand, as strange as it may seem, with a new look on his face, and he said, Thank you. You'll never know what this means to me. You can never know. Days later, I joined a college classmate of his in a downpour at his graveside service, and the story reminds me that God's mercy is vital for you and me and for the world. Jesus teaches his disciples to pray and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. The next time you pray the Lord's Prayer, remember the mercy of God for which you pray is expensive. It costs Jesus his life. And also remember the mercy of God is vital for your life and my life and the, life of the lives of those you love and even the life of those you don't love. It is the mercy of God. Let us pray.